Hello and welcome back to Haunted Basement, the podcast. I'm AJ. I'm Bubba. And I'm Ashley. We're siblings and we run a production company called Haunted Basement. And this is our podcast where we talk about the movies, music and pop culture that inspires and influences our video work. Grab some popcorn, folks, and start saving your money, because today on the podcast, we are discussing our most anticipated 2023 summer movie releases. Woo! Yeah. And to help us break down all the movies we are most excited to go to the actual movie theater to see is a returning guest from one of my favorite episodes, Episode two, yes, from way back in January. It was also the episode where we first talked about Top Gun. (laughs) So joining us today on the podcast is producer extraordinaire and friend of the pod, Brian Lemieux. Brian, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. I feel so loved. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very loved. We really all enjoyed our conversation and you did kind of start a riff between our siblings because we did not agree on Tar. Overall, Tar, a very realistic Oscar Beatty movie. The movies that we're going to be talking about today, summer movies, maybe not Oscar Beatty in a traditional sense. Maybe a few will sneak in there. But the movies that we're going to be talking about today are movies that are blockbusters. Summer, it's hot out. You want to escape the heat. You go into an air conditioned movie AC, theater. baby. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the movies that we are most excited to see this summer. And Brian, since you're our guest We'd love to hear from you first. Well, I, I want to also want to throw out there. I think this is this week is the 30th anniversary of what I think is the best uh, summer blockbuster ever. 30th. Can Does I guess? Have a I, thought on that. Wait. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna guess. Okay, then I'll guess. It, I'm gonna guess Jurassic Park. I mean, are we all guess. I'm gonna guess. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Jurassic Park '93, right? Mm-hmm. Give it to me. That's what it was. Yeah, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Wait, that came out when we were, when I was five? Yeah, baby. Oh my God. When I was 10. But to me, that's uh, the pinnacle of uh, summer blockbuster. So I don't know. I just looked it up because I also know we share affinity for it and uh, just shocked that it was this week and that it was 30 years and... Uh, but for me, that was when I was 10. That was that was the movie that opened the world of movies to me. And uh, yeah, so I like I always end up just by default thinking about summer movies, thinking about Jurassic Park and comparing it. Wait, you saw it in theaters? Yes. Oh, I mean, 10 years old. That's like super formative right there. Dinosaurs. Big movie. Jealous. Ah, We should be. I, I still remember it. I think the visual effects in Jurassic Park are still better than most of the visual effects today. 100%. 100%. Well, and just Jeff Go- Goldblum. Goldblum. <laughs> Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> and just Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> all right. Happy 30th anniversary to Jurassic Park, the summer movie yes, that love it. ends all summer movies. Yeah, baby. Much. What about everybody else? Favorite uh, summer blockbuster release that we actually saw in theaters i know that my list is actually pretty slim if i think about things that i actually went to see in Mm. theaters yeah i mean the first one that comes to mind is mad max fury road 2015 i i know that we saw that i think twice that summer 
Great movie. All right. I have one. Wedding Crashers. I still remember seeing that in a theater and just <laughs> cracking up and just being like, what is going on? The meatloaf. Ah, the meatloaf. Fuck. It was just so funny. And it, it was like one of those like communal experiences where everyone was just having a good time. And I, I remember seeing that in the movie theater that was just uh, torn down here like a few months ago. <laughs> Which one? Good showcase old cinemas. Oh, yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Showcase cinemas. I know. Shoot, I can't think of my favorite. The one that I can think about that just popped into my head was Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. Oh <laughs> wow. I'm a daily newsreel, and I can tell you one thing: that made Navy planes. I remember Auntie Donna brought like a whole a whole group group of us to go see it. And it's sort of like that movie sort of like trying to be Titanic. It's trying to be like Saving Private Ryan. I know. Um, it makes me want to sing like near, far, wherever you are. But that was not the no, song. No, I can't remember uh, anything. I can't remember anything about it except that it was except like Josh Hartman. just a huge. Yeah, just a huge early 2000s summer blockbuster that didn't really have that much feeling to it. But it's the one that yeah. <laughs> the one that came into my head first. All right. So 2023, you're going to go to the movie theater. What are you excited about, Brian? Well, I mean, Oppenheimer. We imagine a future. And our imaginings horrify us. But I don't really know why. Oh, what? You don't know why? Well, let me explain. I... I don't see it, why it's a Nolan movie, you know, I don't, it's a, you know, this huge epic uh, black and white IMAX shot on film movie by Christopher Nolan, $100 million biopic of a scientist. I'm not exactly sure what he's going to do to it to, to make it, um, you know, warrant that that scale of production and stuff. But so I'm, I'm interested in what he's going to do, but I just don't have any inkling why why Nolan is doing this. And he seems very insistent about making this because it's his first film that is not going to be distributed by Warner Brothers, either domestically or internationally. Like he switched over to Universal just to get that $100 million budget to make this movie. Well, he also wasn't happy with Warner Brothers because of how they handled Tenet, I think. Yeah, but uh, we've talked about the Tenet thing. It's like, come on. Yeah. But Christopher Nolan, like, we're not going to risk our lives to go see Tenet in theaters. Plus, the movie's not that good. I don't well, disagree. Well, that's probably why he was mad at Warner Brothers. They probably I pushed think it more, into the theaters. From what I've heard, there were more problems than just the release, like, when they actually decided <laughs> to release that movie. <laughs> yeah, I think it was because it, he was upset that Warner Brothers pushed it on to HBO Max. Oh, yeah. right. I see. So. Well, I, I want to see a movie about it, but I feel like he's going to make it like, I don't know. I just like want to see a movie. Is that the sound of the explosions? No, that's the sound of like, I just picture like something counting down and I'm like going to have a seizure because he's going to like do something like, and I don't want that. I just want to see the movie. It's his first film to receive an R rating since Insomnia, which came out in 2002. I didn't realize that. Filming involved the use of real explosives to recreate the Trinity nuclear test, which it sounds sounds a very I mean, that sounds very Christopher Nolan. To, he doesn't want that mm -hmm. much CGI. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see Benny Safdie in a big Hollywood film. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. And I like the idea of Killian Murphy having a lead performance in a big studio film for the first time since, I don't know, like 28 days later. I can't remember another big studio film that he was lead yeah. in. He's a good he's a good actor. Yeah. I'm hoping, cross my fingers, that 
Oppenheimer is sort of Christopher Nolan's There Will Be Blood, just a movie about a man who is enigmatic and obsessive doing crazy shit in the desert. I want to <laughs> see that. Brian, I'm with you. I'll be July 21st. I will probably be seeing two movies in theaters on that day, oh, and one of those will be Oppenheimer. Well, the second film, I it's it's I don't know if it's my most anticipated, but it's top Top three, definitely. It's a small movie, small independent movie called Barbie. Y'all heard of it? No! Hey, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Ugh. Hi, Ken. I'm very excited to see this film, which has been in development since 2009. Do you guys know about this? Really? Yeah, because Margot Robbie was trying to get Gal Gadot I don't know how to say anyone's names <laughs> to play Barbie. And that was like her first choice. Universal first announced it back in 2009 and then Sony Pictures acquired it. And it's just gone through like a handful of writers and directors. And at some point, Amy Schumer is supposed to play Barbie. Oh, then that's right. Anne Hathaway. Yep. Yeah. This whole idea of how Barbie core has sort of swept the nation over the Gap last year. Kids. It's crazy. The look of this movie is unlike anything I've seen in a long time, especially from a studio picture. I'm very excited for it. The neon pinks, the yellows, Noah Baumbach co-writing the screenplay with Greta Gerwig. But what I'm thinking of, like, what movie do I see first on that day? Do I see Oppenheimer and then mm. Barbie after that? Or do I switch the order? Oh yeah, God. I think it's you a great go question. Oppenheimer and then Barbie. You're probably going to want to feel good. I don't know if it is feel good, actually. I don't know either. I, oh, I do like Yeah, that's what I'm kind of excited and about. Seeing Will Ferrell in the trailer, I was like, oh, my God, this is like live action Lego movie. Did anyone else have yes, that feeling? I had that same thought as Which well. I feel like the casting of Will Ferrell specifically and having that association or drawing that association mm -hmm. to the Lego movie cheapens it a little bit. As I go into the movie, because I I'm just bringing that expectation and I'm bringing in the same expectation of like just a fun kind of time with a bunch of IP jokes. But because it's Greta and Noah, I feel like, yeah, they're they're chalking it up as this like amazing Barbie playhouse, like so much fun. But I feel like everyone's going to be like, what is happening? Like, I don't think it's going to be uh a comedy the whole time. Sure, there's going to be like comedic undertones, but I think people are going to be confused. Oh, sure. I've got a lot of trust in Greta Gerwig specifically. Oh, my God. I feel like. Yeah, I, no, no. I just mean be... like the mass audience who's going and like thinking they're going to have a fun time the whole time. But I think slash hope it's going to be a little bit challenging to the viewer and it's not going to be like, woohoo, Barbie. Yeah. Right, right. I'm really interested to see, uh, you know, or to, to rewatch the kind of the teaser and the theatrical trailer uh, again after seeing this movie. Cause I, I, I feel like this is a case of, uh, studios maybe or the studio giving away a little too much uh or you know giving giving away the spoilers or giving away uh, too much of a sense of you know what they're going to be doing in the barbie world um 
giving it all away in the trailer. Giving it all away. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you went in and you were just like, oh, it's a it's a fun like Barbie movie, and then being <laughs> kind of slapped in the face. <laughs> I think honestly, if I saw the trailer without knowing who was behind it, I would kind of be like, nah, I'm not really interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that they're doing it is, uh, I mean, legit filmmakers. That's interesting for sure. But um, you know, I think this is gonna be would be a really hard tonal kind of movie to pull off if that makes sense is mm-hmm. i was trying to think of like a comparison of a movie and the only one i could come up with was a brady bunch movie <laughs> uh oh, where yeah. you know <laughs> something comes alive into the real world and then you see like the and you know that's i liked it as a kid uh, but you know i don't i don't know i think it's a really hard one I don't know if barbie's my most anticipated i think my i really love the august the late summer releases, the the late summer releases, which are usually the smaller movies that can't compete with huge studio fare. And I always find my favorite movie of the summer, if not the year that it comes in late summer. Like, for example, Good Time back in 2017 or Mandy came out in September of 2019 or something like that. Yeah, baby. And the movie that fits that bill for me this summer is this movie called Problemista, which comes out August 4th. You have a month to find someone to co-sign your visa. And if you don't, you have to leave the U.S. I started freelancing for this lady. I'm late. I, I know I'm late. I'm so late. I just... Oh, this menu. What is it with walnuts? Walnuts, walnuts, walnuts. It's like a cafe for squirrels. The walnuts, they go very nicely with the salad. Do I look like I need educating on fine cuisine? And it's written, directed, and starring Julio Torres, who is an SNL writer. And it also stars Tilda Swinton. It's an A24 movie. The premise is Julio Torres plays this character named Alejandro, who's an aspiring toy designer from El Salvador. And he's struggling to bring his unusual ideas to life in New York City. And his visa, his work visa is running out. So he has to to assist (laughs) this very erratic art world outcast played by Tilda Swinton, who has like this incredibly bizarre looking uh, colored hair. It's like pink, purple or crazy hair. And he needs to sort of like uh, stick around her and help her open this art exhibit to be able to like stay in the country and realize his dreams. And also it's Greta Lee. Greta Lee is in it. I almost said Greta Gerwig, but (laughs) Greta Lee, who is in the movie that I think I have a lot of movies I'm looking forward to this summer. Uh, Most of them fall into the real like raunchy comedy (laughs) category. I don't know why. In the summer, I just want to laugh out loud and be like, what is happening? So those are like uh, I I actually really want to see like Strays <laughs> and oh, Joyride yeah, and mm-hmm. No Hard Feelings. I think No Hard Feelings. I watched like the Red Band trailer and I was laughing out loud. It's such so. a swerve for Jennifer Lawrence, who's been doing like Oscar bait stuff for many, many years after, you know, after the Hunger Games. And all of a sudden she's yeah. in this sort of like girl next door raunchy comedy yeah it reminds yeah. me of girl next door but like she remember she's like really good friends with amy schumer and they were thinking about making a movie together so you know she's she's a funny person so i'm excited to see her in that role and it just looks ridiculous and matthew broderick looks hysterical in it like with his long hair i didn't oh even realize god. that was him yeah he oh looks- my god <laughs> 
I'm curious yeah. about it. Me too. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. But um, so back to Greta Lee, who is an incredible actress. Like I love her. And have you guys seen Russian Doll? She's in yes. Russian Doll. Mm-hmm. She's in the morning show. She was so funny in New Girl. She played this character who everyone thought was homeless. She was dating uh, Jake Johnson's character. And then turns out she was like a tech billionaire. <laughs> But she's so funny. She's just like, I could watch her in anything, but she is actually in this movie called Past Lives. You guys might have actually already seen it because it's already come out. The trailer for this movie, and it's an A24 movie, so I guess I'm an A24 junkie, but uh, it's just... I'm not even sure I'm emotionally ready to see it because, you know, I'm a sucker for a good New York love story. I'm a sucker for Greta Lee. And it's just it looks like a movie about, you know, longing and wondering what if. And even in the trailer, you know, like when Greta's talking, her voice breaks a little bit in certain spots. And it just looks like the person who made it, her name's Celine Song. She said it's a very personal film for her. And it definitely looks personal in, in just the, the trailer alone. So what a good story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. I think I just missed him. Did he miss you? It's going to be an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. I don't know if I will be going into a theater this summer to see uh, past lives or if I'll just wait for it to come out to stream at home um mostly because i just you know it it i mean it looks incredible and it, it's already getting oscar buzz and all that um had a great debut at sundance um but you know i think I, so far as uh it uh it plays as a popcorn movie i'm not really sure this summer so i just i might be skipping it for that reason alone um but i'm excited about it because i i have been really gravitating towards these movies um uh directed by you know ex playwrights or uh working playwrights or whatever so i i feel like this is gonna be right up my alley mm, the humans you love the humans, humans. Yeah, exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. we know that i know love i just it. I, it's not your traditional popcorn movie and i feel like there are a lot of you know indiana jones all these movies coming out this summer i just named one but you you get the gist so i'm going <laughs> the opposite <laughs> for my for my number one but like i said very excited for those those raunchy comedies you know me i'll be i'll be there ash i'm surprised you didn't say theater camp it's on my list okay all right (laughs) well i just wanted to play into the whole theater camp but i like it's so funny i mean the camp is called adirondacks 
Yep. A-C-T-S-X. And so like the whole premise of this like theater camp for these little kids and they're taking it so seriously Mm. and like there's drama, there's singing, there's acting, there's more drama and there's small children. It just seems like a recipe for disaster, but also comedic gold. So I will definitely be seeing that too. I told you my list is long, but past lives. My number one, man. I'm sticking behind my girl, Greta Lee. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Theater camp is not just... The the founder of the theater camp in the movie falls into a coma. So her clueless crypto bro son (laughs) has to figure out how to to keep it going. It just looks so funny. (laughs) You need to know that only 3% of people make it. The rest end up in a mental facility or on a go-go box in Hell's Kitchen. This is a complete disaster. Everything is going to be okay. It doesn't work out, guys. Um, it's also a directorial debut by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman, who are both in their late 20s, early 30s. And it's a yeah. film expanded from their a short film that they made in 2017. And they shot oh, it man. in 19 days with a large cast of children who had limited hours they could work. I'm like, oh, my God. God bless. They did it in 19 bless. days. Yeah. It looks so funny. I can't it's wait. On, it's definitely on my list of, of like top priority to see in theaters this summer. Bubs, what do you got? All right. So I think we're going to talk about Asteroid City eventually. I think we're going to talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, a title that I despise so much. Oh, my God. My least favorite iteration is just there's something about it that's just like so video gamey to me. All right. So I had no idea that this movie was coming out until I started doing a little bit of uh, prep for this episode. And I can't say that I'm like super pumped to see this movie, but... Of the blockbusters that are coming out this summer, this one actually interests me the most. There is a new version of The Haunted Mansion coming out. Yeah. And I am actually intrigued by it. I'm it's cautiously coming out July optimistic. 20- too. Yes, I'm very cautiously optimistic. That's how I feel, especially because Jamie Lee Curtis tweeted out something where she like gave it kind of a. Uh, a kind of a lukewarm, like certified fresh where she was like, yeah, it balances funny and scary really well or something like that. And she's been, I mean, she, I just based on how she, yeah, Jamie Lee is great, but also like based (laughs) on her, on her tweets in support of films that she's in, uh, that bodes well, I guess, for this version of, uh, the haunted mansion or, this is just Haunted mm-hmm. Mansion, I believe. I think it's called Disney's, no, the- Disney's Haunted Mansion, I think it's called. <laughs> oh. The Muppets. Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's uh, on the Google, it says Haunted Mansion. And the Eddie Murphy version that came out in what, 2003? Yeah, that the was Haunted the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. I, so, yeah, quickly, the, the history of the Haunted, or Haunted Mansion uh, um, adaptations, I guess. We had Eddie Murphy in, in uh, 2003, and then we had The Muppets, I believe, in uh, 2021. And uh, I'm interested for this, for this take, for this, uh, by this version, by uh, the director's name is Justin Simeon, I believe. He's the director of Dear White People. Yeah. I'm interested just for another take on, on The Haunted Mansion, Purely because it's another take. And I feel like this is Disney's white whale now where they just cannot adapt this classic ride into something that works, you know? And like, I, so 
I'm almost I'm almost rooting against this film because I want future versions of it to come out, you know. But yeah, but <laughs> I'm excited about this one because haunted basement. Yes, exactly. Hey. But I'm excited about this one because the cast looks fantastic. You've got Owen really Wilson. Good. You've got Lakeith Stanfield. He's in it. Yeah. Jared Leto, J- Jamie Lee Curtis, Rosario Dawson, like Tiffany Haddish. Cast. I don't know if they already said her. Yeah. Danny DeVito, like the cast looks friggin' fantastic. Yep. My, my issue with the trailer, though, and it's the same issue I have with the trailers for a lot of, uh, or for the big blockbusters of the summer, and an issue that we keep bringing up on the podcast with a lot of uh, bigger movies these days is that the visual effects just look a little lifeless to me yep. and mm-hmm. very CGI. And what's so great about the ride is that it is, it was made basically using a bunch of like these hilariously simple magic tricks that have, that are super practical and yep. uh, mm-hmm. are just, I don't know. They're, 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 they're just like fantastic. visual effects that were made in like the early 1900s, basically Pepper's yeah. ghost. Exactly. Yes. And, uh, and the, I mean, the history of the ride was, it's, it's funny, the history of the film releases or film adaptations of the ride kind of mirror the history of the ride itself, where they just kept trying to get the Haunted Mansion right at Disney for years before it, before it opened. And, uh, there's not, I don't know, it's, it's truely haunted or cursed this whole idea of, of capturing funny and scary in the right playful way i guess this mansion is unhinged (laughs) these ghosts definitely don't want to leave death lurks around every corner (laughs) bub do you know the history of the development of this particular haunted mansion yes Guillermo del Toro was attached and what What? do I think he was was supposed to star in it right right do I think that Guillermo del Toro was the right person to helm a haunted mansion adaptation I don't know would I see it absolutely yes and here's why I feel like obviously we're saying adaptation no kind of uh especially a an attraction a ride shouldn't be uh adapted you know kind of verbatim i guess like uh, or or just like directly adapted because that's not an adaptation at this point like you want the director to apply their style you want something new to come out of yeah, it their and voice kind of use and, it as yeah mm-hmm. as like you know source inspo like pirates of the caribbean just nailed it right because it was like it mm. was inspired by the ride it had these like little uh nods to lines and moments on the ride but it wasn't obviously you can't just like rip the ride and turn it into a film or maybe you could but it'd be boring um so they just nailed that adaptation and i feel like guillermo del toro would i don't know if i trust that he would have the heart like his style kind of i don't know if his style uh lends itself to kind of honoring the ride the little bits that fans of the ride really love like he just has such a particular style yes god i would love to see the set design of his haunted mansion uh vision because i think uh, he's just so it it sort of reminds me of um his not so good movie but crimson peak which came out in 2015 sort of like his own version of a haunted mansion movie which i didn't like the movie but just looking at 
the interiors. I'm like, oh yeah, I could I could walk around this house for a few hours, and that's that's all I'd really want from his version. And then seeing him work with Ryan Gosling would have been interesting to see if that worked out. But I'm I'm like you, I'm cautiously optimistic about this version that we're getting. This cast is stacked. And I'm hoping yeah. it is a good combination of funny and scary. I didn't even honestly consider it at all. Wow. <laughs> Will you see it, list, Brian? I definitely didn't. Uh, sure. Uh, but I definitely didn't see we that. We got a solid you, sure here, people. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, do you have any runner-ups for your for other like other movies that you are very excited to see this summer? Yeah, we brought it up Asteroid City for sure. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I mean, we got to bring up. Mission Impossible, so we can bring up Tom Cruise, we can bring up Top Gun, 100%. right? Hundred <laughs> percent. No movie will compete with Top Gun. Mi seven, right? Which I I, 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 so. I don't keep up with Mission Impossible. Yeah. Part wait, one, wait, 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 wait. Seven? Yeah. Point yes. one. They made seven point one. They made a ton of these. I think I I stopped watching them after Mission Impossible three. Like I've seen a, I haven't seen one or two since, but. Um, the stunts I, are amazing. They're the crazy. They have little to no plot is why you can't follow them. Don't they have too much plot? I don't know. I fall no, asleep I don't think after so. the, the recent stunts. Ones. I feel like it's like a extended action sequence now. <laughs> it's like yeah. what you're getting from them. They just do it because Tom wants to fly off of things. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a opportunity for him to do the next biggest stunt, and that's I mean, that's draw enough for me to go see it for sure. Except yeah. my issue with this one, and I think my issue with a lot of the, the Mission Impossibles lately have been like they reveal and then they feature and they they uh, they market the, the biggest stunt. Yeah. Uh, way too like way too soon, I guess, prior yeah. to the film's release to the point where it's like if this is like the stunt of the movie, like, should I go see it anymore? You know? And they don't mm-hmm. even need to do that, you know? Like, I know. People are going to go see it. So giving them something to be shocked by. There's also something about this stunt in particular. Like, I'm still... I, so I think it's I think it's amazing. The stunt is amazing. But there's something about this, the stunt that, <laughs> that Tom Cruise which, pulls. Which he just... Ash, have you seen this clip? He just... I don't Tom, think so. Tom literally rides a dirt bike, like, off the side of a cliff. And then jumps off and then he pulls his own parachute. And it's like, yeah, it's a crazy stunt, but there's something about it in a vacuum where it's like he's just jumping to his death and like just feels like so final and weird compared to like him hanging on to the side of like an airplane that's taking off or something. I don't know. There's something just like so memeable about this one to me. Can I do another? Yes. Okay, I'm sure you guys can guess it. It's a big deal here at the Erturk household. Mm, and we actually already saw it. But Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Guys, I laughed. I cried. I cheered. My head felt like it was going to explode sometimes. It was so good. It was so good. It's just like such a fun ride. Visually stunning unbelievable like i think that this movie might be better than the first because the animation was just i've never seen some of these things before and it was so cool to just watch and then the story is amazing i cried i think twice 
Like, it's just a, such a nice story because, I mean, it's ultimately about family and <clears throat> Spider-Man and creating your own story, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that, like, my young children think that Miles Morales is Spider-Man and then we get to see his life, it's the best thing. And now it is time for our newest segment, Kids Critic where we talk about today's film with tomorrow's generation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Rory and Reagan. Okay, Rory, you're five years old. Yep. And you went to the movies for the first time this week, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the movies? What movies? The movie theater. The movie theater was kind of loud. It was loud. Yeah. What did we do because it was loud? Wear earplugs. Did that help with the loudness? Yeah. Okay. So what else happened at the movie theater? We ate popcorn. Lots of popcorn. What movie did we see? Spider-Man. Across the The Spider-Verse. All right. What was your favorite part? Miles's. Miles's part? Yeah. Reggie, what was your favorite part? The runaway part. The what? The runaway part. Which runaway part? The Spider-Man one. Oh, when he was running from all those Spider-Men? Mm-hmm. How many Spider-Men were in this movie, guys? 61. Probably like 600. Well, maybe 6,100. <laughs> Um, so if you could tell me about Spider-Man in one sentence, what would you say? Uh, Miles. That's one word. How about a sentence? Miles. Didn't you watch the movie? What movie? The one, (laughs) the number one? The Spider-Man, the one we saw in the movie theater. Um, yeah. All right. Miles is... A spider band. There you have it, folks. Miles is Spider-Man. Okay, Reagan, if you could tell me about the Spider-Man movie we thought saw in the movie theater in one sentence, what would you say? I love you. Who? Spider-Man. And that is why this is my children's first movie in a movie theater. And you like Peter. And I got baskets at the movie theater. In the movie theater you got baskets? Oh, that just say it, huh? Just have a curiosity. Um, I'm not Um, sure what language that is. I don't know what language you are. This is Ashley with Investigative News signing off. I feel like they just drop the ball where just based on the title Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, it should have been an across the universe type of Spider-Man where they just sing uh, <laughs> Beatles songs. It's like a beautiful musical. <laughs> they had a perfect opportunity there. Yeah. There's, need to drop uh, the there ball is there. at least oh, 60 Spider-Men in this movie, according to Rory. <laughs> really? <laughs> 61. I liked it. I think the first one is better. But I, I think uh, out of all of the Spider-Man sequels, yeah, um, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is top. But this is below it as my second favorite um, Spider-Man sequel. I think it has um, 
I think it's too long. It's two hours and 20 minutes long. It was pretty long. Oh. But my kids watch it the whole time. Oh God. That's a long time to have your mind me, just um, completely pounded by that anim- animation, you know? It, like, not only cow. is it... The, uh, the, there's animation during the end credits from like they just filled every oh. waking second of this movie with just mind-blowing animation the animation's incredible i don't but know I how think they the did novelty it. factor sort of wore off in the five years since the first movie because all these movies like the press right. and boots movie and all these other movies are sort of copying the spider-verse Teenage style Mutant but Ninja turtles exactly my biggest my problem with it is similar to my problem with the first dune which is like it feels like half of a movie um, sort of oh, sort of ends on a cliffhanger. God. I'm just like, okay, with two mm-hmm. hours and 20 minutes to get to a cliffhanger. I was like, how are, they, how are they gonna how are they gonna wrap this up in 20 minutes yeah. here? That that seems like a pretty quick pretty quick resolution. <laughs> cliffhanger. Yeah, it's a great. Well, it's you a great just one. Spoiled it, AJ. I didn't say what the cliffhanger was, but um, <laughs> and I also think that the voice acting, like voice acting, sure, whatever, but it is incredible in this movie. They all do such an great job do you agree i really enjoyed it i'd go see it again hey mm-hmm. i know some kids i'll send down to new york <laughs> yeah, you can take yeah. them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right should we talk about indy i don't believe in magic but a few times in my life i've seen things things i can't explain and i've come to believe it's not so much what you believe. It's how hard you believe it. Ryan, what, what's your take on, on this new uh, indie? I don't know. I mean, I'll see it because they have to apparently. Um, mm-hmm. But not, I mean, maybe the pressure is less because it's not Spielberg, but I don't or know. Or George no, Lucas. Not, no I, no I, story I, by George Lucas either. I thought story was by nope. George Lucas. Or nope. does he just get that just, because he invented the character? He gets characters by, no story by. Oh, thank God. Oh, my God. How, how could they be like, yeah, let's make this one the longest one, because even though n- no one's the last involved? One. It's, it's the first Disney. Is it? It's the first Disney indie. Um, Harrison Ford is 80 years old, and he injured his oh. shoulder during production. So I'm going to see. I'm ex- I'm interested to see how that sort of hampered James Mangold's vision for this movie. James Mangold directed Walk the Line. He directed Ford versus Ferrari, Logan. Oh, interesting. Logan. mm-hmm. Logan's probably the most relevant. I just want yeah. to see Harrison Ford in Shrinking. And I love him as a young Indiana Jones, but I don't know. I love representation. You know, older people can do whatever they want, but... <laughs> I don't want to see an old Indiana Jones. <laughs> well, well, this is what I don't want to see. I don't want to see. I don't want to see. Well, I mean, old Indiana Jones is not as offensive, I guess, to me as de-aged Indiana Jones. Yes, I did and not like also, that. Old Whoa. Indiana Jones riding a CGI horse through a uh, subway station or whatever. Yeah. Just. That what do you mean just, a CGI horse? Did you if you watch the trailer, he's like there's this whole sequence that they, you know, kind of give away of of him escaping some bad guys uh, by riding a, a horse into a subway and down a tunnel yep. and okay. trying to yeah. like outpace uh, <laughs> a a, a train but um the horse is so obviously fake that it just like it instantly calls your attention to the age of the rider Harrison Ford and like I don't know. It just I 
that's not in, that's not my Indiana Jones. <laughs> is does Phoebe play his daughter or what? Goddaughter. Goddaughter. Okay. Hashtag not my Indiana Jones. Is, um, <laughs> is Shia showing up in yes. this one? No, thank God no. Shia is not showing up in this one. Oh, I'm most oh. looking forward to Mads Mikkelsen's performance as the villain Jürgen Wurla. Yeah, baby. Mads, Mads Mikkelsen seems like he's he's destined to be a villain in the Indiana Jones movie, and I'm glad he is. That's true. He's a very scary fella. This is. This is too much baggage for this one, though. You know, it's, it doesn't have Spielberg, which will be noticed, and it, it's the final one. De aging him, like everything. This is too much going on to like absorb. The idea Join of this movie. us in our hashtag. Not my Indiana Jones. Brian, I agree. I also think that um, I know Rotten Tomatoes uh, is not the end all be all the source of truth but they i think their one liner kind of uh summary so far of the reviews is great where they say uh indiana jones and the dial of destiny is a largely unnecessary franchise finale <laughs> it just seems like my my question is like why and i'm sure a lot of other people are thinking like why why did we need this film? probably because the last one wasn't that good sure the last one sucked we all know that <laughs> we want something so to be a little better with an older one but the only other thing that I'm left with personally is they uh, this movie seems like a movie that was written for and only uh, only kind of uh, inspired by the fact that there is now de-aging technology. Like mm-hmm. literally it's in the title, you know, the dial of destiny. It just seems like mm-hmm. such a one trick pony to me. And there's nothing timeless about that. I'm sure they're going to try and uh, their best to make it timeless. Like the, the first three films are, but there's something so uh, specifically 2023 about this movie. And that, I don't know that that makes me very pessimistic. I'm curious what Disney wants to do with the Indiana Jones property, because they probably learned Kathleen Kennedy and the rest of Disney probably learned a ton of lessons from the Star Wars, ten, the last 10 years of releasing Star Wars films. And um, now they've got this Indiana Jones movie, first Indiana Jones movie in 15 years. What are they going to do? Are they trying to make it relevant again so they can make a series out of it and, mo- and move on beyond I Harrison Phoebe, Ford? I bet Phoebe will take it over. Yeah. It'll be like a, but, a James but Bond the, situation. Indiana Jones without Indiana Jones is not Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. I just like <laughs> just make a different movie with Phoebe. I think or I really think that Harrison Ford, because he's the only one of the big three that came back to make this movie. I think he really cares about this character, and I think he really wanted to make this movie. But at the same time, it's like just yeah, you, you had your time, man. You 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 were you dominated for like 30, 40 years. We don't need to see you at 80 years old playing Indiana Jones. Am I going to see it? Yes. But I just wish I just want this one to be the last one and then move on. Please, please, Harrison. John Williams did do the music, I believe. Uh, he was excited to write music that would not only amplify the excitement of Indy's last adventure, but would also underscore the most moving, deeply resonant emotional moments, including those at the very end of the film. 
Okay. We love John Williams. I'm excited to hear his music. Yeah. 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 That will be good. I'm pretty sure that's his last score ever, but. Can I quickly hit you with two more? Just very, very quick. Asteroid City, which we mentioned before. I'm just excited to see Tom Hanks in a Wes Anderson film. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see Scarlett. She's voice acted in uh, Isle of Dogs, but I don't think she's ever been on screen before. Yeah, she seems like a good fit. And then no Bill Murray in this one because he got COVID before (gasps) they shot this in Spain. He got COVID before he could travel to Spain. So they replaced him with Steve Carell. And uh, the whole thing, just from the the incredibly uh, well-made trailer, shout out to whoever edited that trailer. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, It's good. It's so beautiful. It's it's got Close Encounters vibes to it Mm -hmm. that I'm very excited for. And yeah, that'll definitely be feels one. like a Spielberg homage in some ways. Mm-hmm. You're very good in the one about the tramp in the brothel who Thank gets you. amnesia and Thank becomes you. a pediatrician. You were very awesome. Actually, maybe my favorite character ever. I don't know why nobody else liked it. Oh. And then finally, in my research for this episode, I came across this movie called They Clone Tyrone, which is a blaxploitation 70s sci-fi mashup movie starring Jamie Foxx and John Boyega. And it's, oh. uh, it's about a series of eerie events that thrust an unlikely trio onto the trail of a nefarious government conspiracy in this pulpy mystery caper. I think it goes straight to Netflix, but the trailer's really fun. Well, guys, last summer, as you may know, Top Gun was the top. For me and AJ. Yeah, great film. <laughs> and so I only saw I only saw one movie in the theater last summer. This summer, I've got a whole list. I'm going to go alone. I already went with the family. Maybe I'll go with some friends. Guys, the theater is back. And that's a high note. The theater's back, baby. The movie theater. <laughs> the movie theater. <laughs> Get your popcorn. The yeah. But like, again, I said this before, not cheap. No, it's not. Yes, true. No, not if you've seen uh, IMAX and right. yeah, IMAX. Quick. Whoo, what a what a ride! So, quick recap: what just run us down the list, everybody? What you're seeing in theaters this summer? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll see Barbie and Oppenheimer, and uh, I feel forced to see Indy and Mission Impossible, Asteroid City. I think I'm adding to my list uh, past lives, and yeah, I don't know about Haunted mention that though you have to let me know oh we can't tell him on haunted mansion uh i'll be seeing haunted mansion and problemista they clone tyrone i'll probably probably watch that Mm -hmm. at home um and then all the other movies i think right oh theater camp as well yeah i'll be seeing that asteroid city indiana jones the dial of destiny barbie and oppenheimer on the same day Uh, my mind is going to be uh, melted after that after July t- 21st. Oh my god, you're gonna be so mixed up. You're gonna be so mixed up. And That's I'm gonna see. <laughs> I'm gonna see Barbie. No hard feelings. Joy ride. Theater camp for sure. Problemista. I might wait to watch in the comforts of my own home. And you know I'm going to see Past Lives. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Bubs. I am definitely Barbie, definitely Asteroid City. I am going to angrily sit through Indiana Jones um, mm. and like just wish that I got a discount on the ticket. Um, but uh, I might. I'm just going to leave past lives for a streaming situation so I don't just 
make my popcorn just super soggy with tears. That's all. That's it. That's it. That's it. Well, Brian, thank you for joining us and talking thank summer you, movies twenty twenty three. All the movies I feel that are coming out are like have low asterisks. I'm like, is it yeah. gonna be good? Is it like this weirdness about a lot of them? So I'm really just it's really hard to even think about what to even talk about not having seen them. And then there's just, you know, so much like, again, baggage along with all these movies. So it'll be interesting to see, like, yeah, regroup and see what actually clicked with us. Asterisk City would be a good movie title. Asterisk City. <laughs> <laughs> good one, Age. Yeah. All right, it's just folks. For that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Haunted Basement, the podcast. Are we taking a break for the summer? What are we doing, y'all? I think we're going to... I think this will be the last you'll hear of us for a few weeks, at least. A little break. A little summer break. Listen, we all need breaks. It's really nice out, even though the air is toxic in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll be back. We'll be back um, sooner rather than later. And also, Honda Basin has been working on a couple projects, video projects hey, coming down hey. the line. So you'll hear from Ooh, us, exciting. but just maybe not in podcast you'll form. see us first. Yeah. All right. Thank you for All listening right. to Honda Basin. Thank you. Thank we love you. you. We'll talk to you Have soon. Have a good summer, baby. Peace. Bye-bye. Ciao, 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 ciao.